0: Reese and Sarah are getting married and uh, that is such a crazy thing to marry someone. I remember, I remember when I got engaged, I was like, this is a big risk. This is a big commitment for her. (laughs) (laughs) And the same goes for Reese and Sarah. This is a huge commitment. This is a huge risk. For her? No, just kidding. They're amazing. But there's so much that goes into uh, choosing to be with someone for the rest of your life. What is this person actually like? Where do they squeeze the toothpaste? What, how much of their hair falls out into the drain? Like, what do we think about money? Uh, like, do we spend a lot of money? Do we save money? Do we buy gold? A lot of gold chains and have them around the house. I don't know. Like, what do we think about kids? No kids. Some kids. How do we parent kids? Like, are we tough-handed? Are we, like, more like we kind of help them choose their own adventure? There's so many things that go into it. And what if the person changes? Like, what if I marry this person, excuse me, and they change? Or, uh, you know, sometimes people get married hoping the person will change. And sometimes people get married hoping the person will never change. Either way, like, there's, like, these risks that are involved with commitment, It requires counting the cost because if you get married to the wrong person, it's like the worst thing. And I just want you to be careful and count the cost. Uh, (laughs) The reason I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, But it's a really big decision. Now, the reason I bring that up is that each of us understands risk. Each of us understands the idea of counting the cost and anything worth doing requires both risk and counting the cost. And if we want the preferred future that we see for our lives, it will always require risk. It will always require counting the cost. Now, today we're going to be continuing on in a series called The Future is Now. And we have a graphic of some colors exploding. And the future is happening right now. It's happening all around us. And God invites us into a preferred future where we get to participate in what he's doing in the world, but it doesn't come without counting the cost. It doesn't come without risk. It requires leaving behind comfort and it requires leaving behind all the extra things that we think we need so that we can take hold of the adventure ahead. Now, in the Bible, we see that Jesus always invited people to experience the future now. And one of the things that Jesus did is he, he would talk about the thing he talked about most. Does anyone know what that is? When he was on earth, what did he talk about the most? What is one of the things he talked about the most? Money. He talked about money. Was it heaven? Was it hell? Was it? Was it did, you say, did someone say pancreas? What, was, was it, what did you say? Kingdom, that's right. One of the things, thank you. It was not pancreas. It was kingdom. It was the right answer. Uh, We'll edit this out in the podcast. Uh, In the kingdom, the kingdom of God was the one of the things that Jesus talked about most. And all the time, everywhere they went, people were talking about the kingdom. They were like, what kind of kingdom is Jesus establishing?" standing Jesus would be like, I am establishing a new order, a new direction, a new kingdom. And it's coming from the future into the present. So I've called today's talk, the future kingdom. I'm going to pray once more, invite God's presence. And then we're going to take a look at something together. Will you join me in prayer? God, we lift up today. Uh, God, we're so excited to be here. I'm so excited to uh, present. I would ask that you would help me to speak as I should. Um, God, we thank you for everything that you're doing with Reese and Sarah and the new folks that are coming into this church. Um, I ask that you would uh, be in our time today. And I ask that you begin to imprint upon people how you want them to join up with your kingdom. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right. So. During the time of Jesus, he's walking the earth and he's decided that he's going to stop operating on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And what he's going to do is he's going to go to Jerusalem, the capital, and he's going to confront the powers that be. And this confrontation would ultimately lead to his death. And then three days later, it would lead to his resurrection. So he's on the road to Jerusalem. And along that way, he's running into people and he's performing miraculous signs. And he's like healing people and he's telling people things that they had never heard before. And the buzz really starts to pick up and uh, it really starts to get exciting. What is getting exciting is this. People think that Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to overthrow the Roman occupiers. He's going to get rid of all the bad people. By force, he's going to build this big army and push back everyone who's oppressing the Jewish people. And he's going to establish a new kingdom. So the closer he gets to Jerusalem, the more excited people are getting. There's more buzz. There's bigger and bigger crowds. People are getting more and more jazzed about what's about to happen. People think that he's going to go in there and just push out all the enemies. And this is really exciting. So we read our first line of the verse today. We read it in Luke 14. It says, "Large crowds were traveling with Jesus." Pause there. Why were large cl- clouds? Why were large clouds there? Why were large crowds traveling with Jesus? For the reasons I just said. They think he is establishing his really exciting kingdom, and he's going to push out all the enemies and make Jesus. Uh, Jesus is going to make Israel great again. It's almost the equivalent of Kanye West descending on Chicago this last week. I don't know if anybody saw this, uh, but he walks into Chicago, and he does his Sunday service. There's all these huge crowds, and everyone's, like, crowding around him. And he gets up, and he sings, Jesus Walks. Jesus Walks. You know the song? God, show me the way. Instead, Jesus, in the same way, would be, I am the one who's walking. And... (laughs) Me, show me the way, because the devil's trying to bring me down, tempted in the desert. And so, they can't all be winners. Anyway, so imagine like this, there's like an intensity, there's a buzz happening around kind of, but like it's for real. Jesus is doing the real stuff. It's really exciting. And what did people see? People saw the value of Jesus' life. They saw the power in Jesus' ministry. And maybe, just maybe, they thought they could experience some freedom. Outside of the control and outside of the powers that were oppressing them. This leads us to our first point today. Jesus, the kingdom of God, invites us to experience freedom. And the reason Jesus had a big crowd following him is because he was performing these miraculous signs. He was doing things that no one had ever seen before. Can you imagine being back in this time in first century Israel? You don't have modern medicine. You don't have hospitals in the way we do now. And you have a sick child who's dying. My child is dying and there's nothing I can do about it. We don't really have the tools and the technology to fix it. And Jesus comes into town. Can you imagine what that does for your heart and your emotion? Maybe. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Jesus can heal my kid. Maybe Jesus can heal this child that's dying. Maybe he has the power to What if he does? What if he heals my kid? Like, Maybe you can imagine if it was a being, a, if you're a powerful leader, uh, you know, and you're, uh, can you imagine it? Jesus, this powerful leader hanging around with just normal everyday people, just like, you know, the plumber and the butcher and the person, him hanging like, wow, this, this guy cares about me. He's excited to be around me. That gives me a sense of hope that what I'm doing in the real world matters. And that's what we see here. That Jesus is bringing hope to these people with his presence and with his power. And isn't that the cry of our world today? Isn't that what people are looking for today? Hey, I just want my life to work. I just want to be free from shame and guilt. I just want to, I don't want to be held back by the opinions of others or even my opinion of myself. I want to be whole. I want to be healed. I want the loved one in my life who's sick to be healed. I want some sense of direction and purpose. That's bigger than just my own invention. What I think is best for my life. I want some friends in my life who want this freedom too. And Jesus, the King of the kingdom, Jesus The leader of this kingdom comes into this situation just the same way he comes to us and he says, I see you. This is it. This is the thing you've been looking for your whole life. You are, you are invited to experience the freedom of the kingdom. Jesus Christ came into this world to fix it, to bring healing and hope to the hopeless. He came to right every wrong, to dry every tear And we see signs of it in these verses. It's the freedom that was promised to us by God. And he invites us to do the same. And the question for you is this, as we continue, when was the last time you experienced hope? When was the last time you experienced that sense of childlike wonder about the way the world could be? Because that's what Jesus invites us into now, even right here, even today. Okay, next point. It says in Luke chapter fourteen twenty five. it says after the, the crowd, it says the large crowds were traveling with Jesus and he turned to them and he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and child, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So. Very interesting. Jesus comes and he's walking down the road and people are excited. They're getting the buzz of all that's happening around them. We get the sense that he's inspiring people to experience the freedom that he brings. And in response to all that buzz, all that momentum, all that excitement, Jesus says, I see that you desire freedom. Guess what? You got to surrender everything. It's the complete opposite of what someone who would be in charge of a movement, what you would expect them to do. This leads us to the second point that we see. If we want to capture the freedom that God has for us now, if we want to experience his freedom, if we want to experience the future is now type living with God, it leads us to this point, surrender everything. The kingdom of God invites us to surrender everything. Now, Jesus used the word hate. Now, hate is not a very popular word in our house with our six year old daughter, she calls it the H word because they taught her that at school. So basically, she just walks around the house and she goes, I H that. So she really doesn't stop using the word H. she just stops saying the whole thing. She says, I H it. What did Jesus mean by this? Are we supposed to wander around Los Angeles sipping on that haterade, hurting people? No, but I'll explain why later. And also, Jesus says, You need to pick up your cross and follow me. What does this mean? Do we need to go to to Tiffany and company and make sure everyone is wearing a small cross around our neck? What is he talking about here? Well, most scholars would say that Jesus is not calling people to actually send hate messages to their family. And he's not saying we need even to hate ourselves or become self-loathing in some kind of narcissistic way. Uh, He's not denying the importance of love and family and priorities and commitment. And also we see that Jesus is using the cross as a metaphor. The cross in Jesus' day was a disgusting, realistic way that people were being killed. And, you know, it'd be the equivalent of us walking around with a little fanny pack of lethal injection. Pick up your cross, pick up your lethal injection and follow me. So what is Jesus doing here by using these analogies? He's using creative analogies and metaphors to shock his audience In order to confront the idols in their own lives. The idols in their own lives. What is an idol? Now, for us, when we hear the word idol, it's usually like, oh, did you hear American Idol? But no one watches that show. But there's idols on TV. We idolize things. We say that. And in the olden days, we think of idols made of wood or stone or gold or some sort of precious metal. The best way to understand an idol According to the Bible, is an idol is any good thing that if you were to turn that into an ultimate thing, that life would no longer be worth living. So what do you mean? Well, if you have a lot of money, what happens if you lose your money? Uh, What happens to you? What if you build your identity around another person? What happens if you lose that person? What if you build your identity around your beauty or your career, your success? If you were to lose that thing, then life would no longer be worth living. And we see this all the time. We see this with people that make their looks and their beauty the center of their world. And all, you know, reality happens. We get older. You can't maintain that forever. We see people in the stock market make a lot of money and then lose all the money. And then their lives are just no longer, they're depressed. Because they built the foundation of their life upon something that will ultimately disappoint them. And back in Jesus' day, they didn't have like stock markets and they really weren't concerned about beauty in the same way we are. But what they were concerned about, the big idol of Jesus' day was the family. Your entire identity was built around your family and your connection to your children and your spouse and your extended relatives. Everything was built around what you did and how you interacted in the health of your family against other families. And what Jesus is saying here is whatever it is, whether it's family or success or money or, or beauty or knowledge, all of that, you got to die to it. Jesus calls his followers to die to self. Die to our will. We die to putting our preferences, our ideas, our agendas. uh, We put them aside and trade them for those of the kingdom. And Jesus says, crowd of people who are following me. You can't experience the real freedom of the kingdom unless you surrender it all and give up your idols. Your heart has to be open to a new way of living if you want the life that I'm offering you, I just want to be clear crowd of people. I just want to be clear that you're signing up to die. You're signing up to die to yourself. And if you surrender your life and your ideas for me, I will trade them for something bigger and better, but it is a trade. It is a trade and you need to die to self and friend. The call of Jesus. It's powerful. powerful. It's moving. It's passionate. But it requires death to self. It requires like a like a spiritual death. Death to the belief that we actually know better than God. Death to the belief that a romantic relationship should be the highest priority. Death to the belief that money will... Just a little bit more money will make us happier. Death to the belief... That our career will make us happy, or even death, the belief that our world should be centered around our children or our family. Now, um, I want to give you an illustration of what it means to uh, die to self. Um, so, before we had a and, and before we had a kid, um, and we wanted to leave the house, uh, I would go to Nikki. I would go, Nikki, let's leave the house, and we would go, and we'd stand up, and we would go, okay. And then we would grab the keys and we would walk out the house. And then we walked to the car and get in it. And we would open the doors of the car and walk into the car and the door, we would shut the doors and we would drive to our location. Now, when you have a kid, uh, oh, that doesn't happen that way. We go, it's time to leave. And, the, and you go, and you have to say this like six times. It's time to leave, kid. Uh, <laughs> we don't call our kid by our name. We just call our kid. It was time to leave. And then you're like, put your shoes on. And they go put on the wrong shoes on the wrong foot. So you have a jelly on this foot and a tennis shoe on this foot, both facing the wrong way. And you're like, change your shoes. And you're trying not to flip out because it's just a kid. And then you rip the shoes on. I'm fine, I'll do it. And then are like, but I can't tie them. So you have to tie the shoes for the kid. And then you're walking out. Uh, and then she's, uh, and then the kid will be like, wait a second. I need to change my outfit. So you'll run. So you're like, and you're sitting by the door. And you're like, remember that time when we just walked out the huh? Yeah, that was like a long time ago. And then you're like, it's been wrestling, so you start playing with your phone because phones are great. You start playing phone. You're like, fifteen minutes goes by, and you're like, what's going on in there? And you walk in, and then you have a completely naked kid with just the shoes on dancing in front of the mirror, like this. You're like, what's going on? And you're like, I don't know. You're completely lost. What's my point in all this? Uh, you. If you're going to have a kid and raise a kid, it takes a, a level of dying to self to do that and dying to your preferences and your desires. And I just think about like, you just don't get to do whatever you want anymore, but it's for the sake of something better. And that kid in my life, I don't know what I would do without her. And I, and, but it requires, like, I just don't get to do what I want to do all the time. I don't get to move at the speed I want to move. I don't get to watch the shows I want to watch because we want to watch extreme mini golf all of a sudden, uh, which I've grown to love for some reason. Here's all these things. And I think about, like, what does Nikki want to do at the end of a long day? Uh, She probably wants to relax, hang out. She probably wants to go to the gym or whatever. But instead, every night, she's working flashcards with our daughter trying to get her to learn how to read and spell and say things uh, and educate her. It's an investment, and it requires a re-prior- reprioritization of all things if you're going to raise your kid. We have to, in some ways, as parents, and especially Nicole, she has to die to self if this is going to work for our kid. And in the same way, dying to self with gut. When Jesus says, you come follow me, take your cross, put everything aside. Dying to self is developing a mindset where we become indifferent to our own desires and we prioritize the desires of the kingdom. Thank goodness the kingdom seeks to love and care about others. It's a kingdom for other people, but it requires a mindset where we walk into things and situations and in front of people where we think and act differently. We're saying, how can I serve the situation versus How can I be served in this situation? So how do we do this? How do you surrender? How do you surrender all? Well, surrendering all is not doing the thing that we think it might mean, which is, you know, uh, all right, I'm going to double down. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to make a strategic plan to surrender. You know, just do more. Yeah. All you have to do when you surrender to Jesus is sort of just give up. You just give up. You say, Jesus, I'm open. I have my ideas of what the good life looks like, my ideas of and my agenda of how things should be. But Jesus, I give up. I'm open to hearing from you. Jesus, I'm open to the future you might be directing me to. Jesus, I'm opening to a new direction in my career. Jesus, I'm open to your wisdom about this ongoing argument that I'm having with the spouse. Jesus, I yield control of my heart. I give up. God, I ask that you would direct me. And I ask that you would work through the people of God to direct me. There's no sacred cows in my life anymore, Jesus. I'm open to your leading and your direction. And I may not have addressed everything with you, but I'm open. I'm open, God. Friend. Are you open to the surrender that the kingdom requires? Next point. So Jesus transitions. He's getting the crowd all fired up. And you can imagine, he's like, you gotta die. I gotta pick up your cross. Who's ready? And everyone's like, yeah. Let's do it, and then Rage Against the Machine starts playing, and they're going to rebel against the Roman government. Because like he's like he's getting people pumped up. He's like, let's do it. Yeah, come on, I it. you know. It's like you know, uh, and whatever. And he's like, and everyone's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's overthrow the Roman government. They're like, all that, blah 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 blah. And so he's getting ready uh, to get them all pumped up. And so he's like, okay, before we do that, I'm going to share a parable to make sure you really know what you're getting yourself into. And he says this. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower He will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. So the third point I want you to see here is that we must, the the kingdom of God invites us to consider the cost. He makes it clear you got to surrender everything, but just in case, before you make this commitment, consider the cost. Now, considering the cost, we do this in almost everything we do in our lives. Should I go to the fancy restaurant or should I eat a ham sandwich at home? Should I buy a new car or should I keep the current car that I already have and get it fixed? I know what my dad would say. The cheapest car you'll ever own is the one you already own. (laughs) Will renting this apartment or buying this house Is it actually in our budget? Will we still be able to save for retirement? Will we have any fun money left over? Is it in our budget? We need to count the cost. And in Jesus, in the same way, he says, count the cost if you're going to follow me because it's costly. Everything you love and everything you like will be up for grabs. If you follow me, everything you think is important You might be required to put it behind you to follow me. You know, this is really hard for Americans. The whole idea of Jesus saying, Count the cost, you might have to give up everything in order to follow me, even your own life. This is really hard for Americans because Americans, one of our greatest values are life, liberty, and the third one would be comfort. We love to be comfortable. Think about our consumer goods. Like we want not just a regular Listerine, but we want a Listerine that doesn't hurt our mouths as much as the regular Listerine because that would be slightly painful. And it's important to feel good while you're fighting the gum disease, gingivitis. Or if you think about our mattresses, people spend billions of dollars just getting the right mattress. Is it too hard? Is it too soft? I don't know. What's your sleep number? Figure it out. We even think about comfort in terms of the ease of our relationships, whether they're romantic or friendships. If it gets too hard, well, yeah, this is is getting a little uncomfortable for me. We have, as Americans, developed a deep sense of entitlement to be comfortable. And friend, the harsh reality for Jesus' followers is that he isn't really that interested in your comfort. Jesus isn't interested in your comfort. And if you follow Jesus, it's going to cost you something. Now, he might be interested in your happiness, but he isn't interested in your comfort. And he might not always be interested in your happiness, he's more interested in your holiness. Following Jesus, it could cost you time time that you would spend on yourself or with people you love, and you might have to spend that on people who you might not like. It will definitely cost you your money, and if you follow Jesus, God will most certainly lead you to give your money away to people who are in need, or he will lead you at least to not spend certain kinds of money on yourself. And if you follow Jesus, it could cost you your reputation. You might get made fun of at school, or you might get made fun of at work. If you follow Jesus, you might even get made fun of by the other moms in your neighborhood. If you choose to follow Jesus, if you're going to follow Jesus, You've got to count the cost. Do it now. Don't do it later because it's going to cost you something. And in many cases, it costs you everything. So Jesus, he's got this crowd. They're probably like, what's going on? I thought this was going to be fun. And he kind of nails me. He says, you got to die to yourself. Pick up your cross. And then he's like, here, let me give you a metaphor. You better better count the cost. What does he do next? He transitions. And he talks about spices and flavoring, Look at what he says. He says in verse 34, he says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Well, what does salt do? Salt enhances the flavor of food. What else does salt do before there was refrigerators? What did salt do that 's a hint that 's right. It was a preservative. Yes, it would preserve. Food. And in ancient times, it was used as a preservative. Uh, Let's just go back to the food illustration. Has anyone ever had food without seasoning? I have, because I have in-laws that are uh, from, uh, where are they from? (laughs) Northern Europe. And they don't use any seasoning. And you're like, what does that taste like? It feels like Neo from uh, Matrix One. Eat it, Neo. It's good for you. It's just basic mush. Okay, no no one's ever seen that movie? Okay. Uh, Salt enhances food. Salt preserves food in the same way Jesus is inviting his followers to become qualitatively different people. Instead of just following along with what everybody else is doing, Jesus is inviting us to look different, to act different, and to put our own needs, our own idols, our own comfort aside and become different people, generous people, loving people, aware people. We are invited By the power of God's Holy Spirit to join God in preserving the world with our presence, the way we treat each other, the way we love each other. We're invited to preserve the world, to call forth and celebrate the good things that we see all over this world, and especially in our own community. We are invited to be the change. And that's our fourth point. The kingdom of God invites us not only to experience freedom personally, to surrender everything, to count the cost, but to be the change, to become the change that we want to see in our world. Have you ever been around a Christian or a Jesus follower who's just different? You get around them and they just add value. To what they're talking. They're they're talking. They add value to the conversation. They add value to the situation you're in. They care about people. They look you in the eye. They serve in a different way. And Jesus says that the ways that we have been believing. And hoping to become the best version of ourselves. Is wrong. And if we want to be who we were created to be. It will require a surrender. Which will cause you to be different when you look and when you become different you will have an enormous impact on the world you will look different than everybody else but it only comes through the portal of surrender so what does it look like when you and i become salts what does it look like for us to become a preservative someone who seasons a situation better than we did before it means that people light up when we come into a room And people are sad when we leave. It means that we begin to stand up for what's right. And we seek justice and mercy in our community. And we get to see people around us rally around it too. It means that we know what to say to the person who's right in front of us, who's hurting. We're able to bring hope and healing into that situation. It means that we can discern God's voice for ourselves and for others. And, you know, it means that we get to make better choices that inspire others to make better choices in their life. We get to live with a sense of purpose because we are becoming who we were made to be. Don't you want that for your life? Don't you want that for this church? And Jesus is saying, follow me. I will empower you to be the best version of yourself. Come follow me. Be the change with me. And I will give you everything that you need to do it. I want that. My hope would be that you would want that too. Now earlier I mentioned uh, that Jesus said, you must take up your cross and, um, and follow me. Um, thankfully, uh, there was one who did that for us. And his name is Jesus. And what we read in the Bible is that Jesus set the example By dying on the cross in our place, dying for our sins, and by three days later rising again, he took the sacrificial act of Jesus, surrendered everything to make it right to invite us into relationship. And for those of us who wish to follow him, we can rest assured that his death on the cross and his resurrection, that as we choose to follow him, we can experience the power necessary to do these things. You know, we're so incapable of actually dying to ourselves and counting the cost. We actually need Jesus to help us with that initial decision. And he comes to us and he says, look, follow me. And I know you can't even do it that well, so let me give you my power because I demonstrated that I am king and God over the whole universe by dying on the cross and rising again three days later. So those of us who wish to do this, we don't have to figure it out and try harder. We can lean on the truth of the gospel of Jesus and ask him to help us get there. And what Jesus is asking, essentially, is for you to make the best trade in human history. Best trade, he's trading our death for his life, our rags for his riches, our shame for his confidence, our confusion for his purpose, our indifference to his influence, our hurt for his healing, and our weakness for his power. And when I look around this room, I see a whole group of people who could do some real good damage in this city. In the best way, we could impact the city in a powerful way as God lives and breathes through us. And you have been invited to experience freedom. What will you do with that freedom? Will you surrender to it? Will you count the cost? Will you become different? And if you surrender, you could be injured, you might actually die, you might be wounded. And if you run away from this surrender, you'll live for a little while. But wouldn't it be worth it to say, Jesus, I follow you. I give you everything. I trust that as you lead me in these situations and question marks I have in my life, I trust you. Wouldn't it be amazing? What if it was possible that the thing we hold on to that we think God can't figure out? What if we surrendered that to him and we allowed God to speak his life into it? And what if supernaturally we began to reorganize who we were as people? Wouldn't that be something? And that's my hope. My hope today is that you would choose Jesus. The future is now the future that God wants to invite us into. It's amazing. It's exciting. It's bigger than your ideas for yourself, but it requires a surrender. It requires almost a giving up, and you are invited to do that today. Well, that's all I had to share. Why don't we stand? I'm going to invite the band to come back up and lead us through one last song. Um, let's do some uh, prayer time. Uh, so we believe that God still speaks, that he hasn't developed cosmic laryngitis. He still wants to speak to our hearts and our minds. And uh, the way he speaks to us is uh, through different ways. He sometimes like, we're thinking one thing and then we think another thing. Sometimes that's God speaking to our minds. Sometimes we're inspired by remembering a Bible verse that we never Heard or thought of before other times he speaks to someone else and they come and deliver a message to us And so as I was preparing and thinking about this talk of surrendering to jesus and experiencing the fullness of the kingdom the future kingdom There's one group. I wanted to invite forward and that is um So in two weeks, we are doing two things We're doing an anniversary party where we're celebrating our one-year anniversary super excited Uh I hope you'll be there. Bring a friend. Uh and then the second thing is we're launching five new ministries. And there's a lot of leaders who are helping us launch those ministries. And those ministries are outward facing, they're gonna reach some new people in our community. We're really excited about that. And these are people that have counted the costs and they're trying to surrender and be open to what God's doing in their lives. And so what I wanted to do is if you're one of the leaders on those teams, I want to invite you forward. If you feel comfortable and i would love for some people to pray for you so if you're leading one of our five teams we would love uh for you to come forward and if you don't want to that's fine too uh but if that's you come forward we want to pray blessing on you and if there's too many leaders up here what we'll do is we'll just have you pray for each other uh yeah so if that's you and i'm gonna i want to pray a blessing over you right now uh, that God would give you everything you need as you start to lead these ministries. So let me just, um, let me just pray for, just, just open your hands if you, if you feel comfortable. God, I ask that you would cause these leaders to surrender to your will and that you would give them everything they need to care about people and love people, uh, to do the right thing by people. God, I ask you to inspire them with your ideas uh, for what the future will hold in each of these ministries. As you come right now and minister to each one of them. So if you've been trained to pray and you see someone up here uh, that can pray, uh, that can that needs prayer, why don't you pray with them? Uh, you can go to them now. The second group of people I want to invite you forward is um, you're in the middle of counting the cost uh, in one of two areas. One is uh, counting the cost in with something with your job. And I believe that God wants to speak to you uh, through the person who will pray with you about counting the cost with your work. So if that's you, step out from your row, come down here, and someone will pray with you. So come forward right now if that's you. If you're working on something with work, you're counting the cost of work. And the second group is, with that counting the cost, you're counting the cost in terms of a relationship. You're like, if I follow Jesus in this way, it's going to change the dynamic of this relationship. And I want... I want someone to pray with you about that, that decision that you're making. So if either one of those apply to you, step out from where you are and we'll have someone in our team pray for you. For the rest of us, feel free to worship one last song and then I'll be back up in a minute to close our service.